Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're tuning in for another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast and video chat with writers and authors where we talk about their books, their work, their creative process, and whatever else happens to come up in conversation. Today, our guest is Bob Fezziuski, a local writer and author of Taming the Timeline, a collection of short stories about the Delmarva Peninsula, but with a twist. So welcome to the podcast, Bob. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad, glad we're finally uh, getting you on the show, um, <laughs> because you and I worked together on uh, Taming the Timeline. And, um, you know, I always thought it was really interesting because you're a newspaper guy and you're, you know, nothing but the facts. You know, that's what the newspapers, you know, newspaper guys are. Give me the facts, nothing but the facts. But you chose to write a short story that had a lot like these. this collection had elements of time travel and science. There's like this science fiction bend to it. And I thought that was really interesting because you know, you and I've always talked to nonfiction with each other. And then you came in with these very, very different set of stories. So would you just uh, tell us a little bit about where those stories came from for you and, and why you went that direction? And Well, I after I retired from newspaper business, I want to change it up. You do get a little bored covering municipal meetings at some point in your life. And uh, I had a lot of experience. My favorite uh, stories while I was in journalism more were along the feature type stories than the ordinary meeting coverage. And these are the type of uh, stories that gave me the impetus to go into more more fiction. One of the things I, I was also in the newspaper business, and it's interesting that you you said the. Um, that you you get bored about uh, uh, going to these meetings because they are. Um, I I just did a book about conspiracy theories and I was talking to someone and they were saying, well, you know, the media is not doing its job and and that same old garbage. And I always want to say to people, when when was the last time you were at a town meeting? Never. That's right. They're boring as hell. But someone's got to go. And you know, I it was always frustrating to pe- for people to say like, when did this happen? And I would be like. Two years ago, I I started writing about this two years ago. I don't see why you're surprised that factory is next to your house right now. You know? One of the biggest problems I've had, uh, maybe in the end of my journalism career and lately with the political things, why they are, is trying to convince people there's a difference between local media and the national media. Everybody loves the media media together, and they tend to blame the local reporter serving things going on the national uh, level. And uh, one of the biggest problems we've had. But finding the ideas for either, either for extended uh, nonfiction, but the, the the ideas for fiction are there. Um, Mm -hmm. Even when you're, even when you're seeing, you know, the day to day, the feature stories, I'm I'm not going to lie. I've, I've seen people and I'd be like, Oh, if I do a book, you're a character in it for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Was that your experience? Yes. Uh, in fact, one of my stories, Mugged, was actual experience. Of, uh, I was actually mugged, and I took off from there and uh, turned it into a timeline, across a timeline adventure. But uh, I took that from my own life. And another one of my stories um, in the small town of Rawway, New Jersey, uh, there was a gentleman whose daughter was brain injured. And he was an art collector and decided that, uh, and she liked art to some extent. He 
decided to uh, make her the, quote, curator of a home art museum. I used some of that in some of the stories I'm working on now. Yeah. Are you from Rahway? Uh, that area. I was I, born and raised in Elizabeth and uh, lived in Union and uh, left uh, New Jersey from Springfield. Was I, I was born in Jersey City and left New Jersey uh, from Union Beach. One of my my wife's hometown, Jersey City. We're always yeah. kidding each other between about Elizabeth and Jersey City. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a thing. My uncle's from Elizabeth. Same thing. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. We got two Small New world. Jersey uh, two New Jersey newspaper guys. I, yeah, uh, I mean, I'll just, I'll just step out of the conversation. <laughs> you won't get this in a half hour yeah. if we start talking. <laughs> But I know that, um, you know, when I was, I guess I was just surprised, you know, that, you know, with the, some of the stories and th that were in the collection, like you really took some interesting sort of twists and turns. And um, I guess I just was sort of, I was kind of pleasantly surprised by, by that, you know, and just seeing, I think it was also interesting to me because I tend to see the Eastern shore, like in sort of historical terms. To me, it's always, you know, the Eastern Shore is a place of great history and mm. it's very old. And I pick, you know, and I pick up your book and now I'm in like star date, you know, 2155. <laughs> and I'm like, Shinkatigue ponies in 2155. And so for me, you know, it was very much this sort of like turning kind of the local narrative upside down. And, you know, was there a part of you that felt like that was something you wanted to do was kind of play with, that sense of what's old is new and you know kind of playing with the timeline playing with the area uh, um only two of the stories in the collection are of that uh, type where i took some uh, character from history and had their descendants either saving somebody in the current time or saving somebody in the future time but I, it's a pretty good mix of other things besides just uh, the Eastern Shore. Like I said, Mugged is about uh, my somewhat about my career in journalism and uh, personal experience of my own. And uh, there are other things about New Jersey in there, too, uh, that are used as a basis for the story. And there's other memories I have that may come up later. I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to play into it. When you say what, so this is a collection. Are these stories that have been like collected over time, or did you sit down and decide to put together uh, a collection of short stories and start writing them? You know what I mean? They've been collected over time, but I decided I wanted to come out with a book, and that's when I started to combine them. And it may be phase one, I may be adding more to it and coming up with another book. Do uh, do any of the stories touch one another? Like, is it one of those where where uh, some characters from one story kind of show up in in other stories? Is that? I don't believe so. It's pretty much uh, each one is pretty much independent of the other. All the two historical pieces are uh, of the same type. I think there is one uh, where we have. Uh, What's the name? The civil rights icon. Uh, her nephew uh, goes back, uh, comes into the 20th century and rescues. And, uh, I'm just checking my notes. Is that me or is that you? Uh, let's, let me see him real quick. 
I think that might be Bob. Bob, that might that might have been that might that static might have been you. Sorry about that. Okay. All right. Um. So while you're while you're taking a look at that, the other thing that I'd like to talk about is you've brought it up twice, uh, and so I'd I'd like to. I know people who are listening want to know. Tell us the 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 true story that's based that uh, upon which Mug is based. Mug is based. When I was living in, I was brought up in Elizabethport, New Jersey, and uh, my mother sent me to a cleaner's about a mile away to pick up cleaning. And uh, on my way back from cleaners, uh, a gentleman who had some mental problems, he was a, about in his early 20s, uh, hit me in the stomach with uh, a, a Coke bottle. Luckily, he didn't break it, didn't, didn't get any serious injuries, and I managed to get away from him. Wow. Wow, and, I never heard a Coke bottle as a weapon before. <laughs> <laughs> and he tried to shake me down for protect, what they used to call protection money in the old days a couple uh, weeks later, and I managed to get away from him by taking a different route to school. Wow. Well, how, really, how old were you when this happened? I guess I was a preteen. It wasn't Chris Alley's cleaners, was it? No. <laughs> I don't recall the name of the cleaners. I know. My, my uncle's family had a cleaning business in Elizabeth, so that's why yeah. I was curious. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no. that, would be, that would be hilarious if it was your uncle's cleaning shop. Yeah. That would be amazing. But I, ha- I took that, and I uh, had uh, – the character was really based on me entering journalism and uh, the person who mugged me is actually uh, employed by the underworld in the future. And uh, I write about his owning case that, that the underworld's not too happy about. So they actually sent him down to earth to mug me and get, get even and prevent me from going into journalism. That's oh, that's pretty kind of cool. The, that's kind of the way that developed. Um, one of the things I, when we were talking, I, I had this conversation earlier in the week when we were talking about the importance of lo- local journalism and zoning is, I mean, zoning is where it all happens and nobody cares. It's That's whenever, right. whenever one of my friends is on Facebook and they're saying they're doing the zoning thing. I'm like, yeah, they did that zoning thing six months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's all, it's all tied up. And it's by the time, if you don't, again, if you don't go to those kind of meetings, by the time you hear about it, it's, it's locked up, you know? And that's where that's where it can be very frustrating for some people. And that's where people feel like they're outside of things because they're like, well, you know, why didn't anybody tell me? And I'm like, well, you'd have to go to page eight and you'd have to read <laughs> and you'd have to true. read through ten through ten paragraphs of, you know, of chicken law changes. And then at the bottom, you know, they're considering developing this lot. And people don't do it. It's it's boring as hell. When you go to these meetings, it's you and ten lawyers. You know, (laughs) I wonder if any of my neighbors are aware about the chopping development that's planned for Racetrack Road. A couple of them might be surprised to hear that a major uh, retail outlet is going in there. Yeah, well, I saw your post on Facebook and I mentioned it to uh, Patty and uh, I think she had heard she had heard about it, too. And there's a I mean, so we live just outside of Fenwick Island and there's new construction all the time and people are mm-hmm. constantly screaming. And I'm just like, 
it's already said and done. You know, yeah. we can write letters, yeah. but this stuff is already like yeah, said and true. done. And I, you know, I know that we can be, you know, we can do letter writing campaigns, but that that ship sailed, friends. <laughs> so, as Hunter S. Thompson used to say, the fix is in. The fix is in. <laughs> I like that ship has sailed. That's that's mine. But um, but Bob, I know that you are working on a new book, or maybe it's a short story, maybe it's a novella, but um. And you and I have talked about it a couple of times, but are, would you would you mind sharing the premise of your your new project? It's a rather long short story that may be be combined with my first book. Now I'm not quite sure where it's going because it only has eight thousand words at this point. It's called uh, tentatively titled "Obituary for an Empire." Uh, it's about a, again a reference to journalism. The newspaper, I last newspaper I was on in Westfield, New Jersey, about two week, two years after I left there, the publisher had, about six months prior, had taken over from his brother as publisher of this newspaper. His brother had died at an early age, and he took over for him. Uh, had lived in North Carolina, and... He and his wife are having marital problems, and I think she had some mental issues also. And uh, she came back into peaceful Westfield, New Jersey, which is an upscale, very quiet community, with the 357 Magnum, and shot him, then killed herself in the office of the newspaper. It's very rare for something like that to happen in the office of the newspaper. So I kind of take off on that. Uh, I didn't know that much about the family other than what my boss, who was the the, uh, publisher who had died, had told me about his family. They mentioned the father. I didn't know that much about the father. So I took, I fill in the background of the father. I knew he had been in publishing in some form at one point in, I think, Pennsylvania. And uh, I kind of, I have the mother and father being involved with the OSS during World War II, and then uh, this and writing a uh, an anti-radical news uh, magazine, and then they they uh, buy this newspaper in another town, and I'm I'm calling it Ridgewood. It was really Westfield I was talking about, and. I have them taking over the newspaper. The father eventually dies, and they have a lot of interaction with uh, uh, Palestinian radicals and everything in the mid Mid East and things. And uh, I think Stephanie, I've told you the part of the true story. Uh, the woman that committed this murder, the murder, and was involved in the murder and suicide in Westfield. Her name was. Uh, Maida Harson Bauer, last name is Bauer. That's the publisher's name. She's married to, to Jeff Bauer. And her son had engaged to Sophia Vergara, the a- actress. And uh, they had uh, a couple landmark uh, lawsuits about uh, the eggs that she produced. She had. Yeah. Become pregnant. They had 
two landmark lawsuits. But that was the family that the, the mother was in, the one who committed his murder. Wow. And I kind of filled in a lot of details. I'm still filling in some details. Yeah. So it sounds like you've taken this sort of this nugget of this true story, this um, murder homicide that occurs in a newspaper office. And then um, you're sort of fictionalizing parts of it to. Yes. In fact. Okay. Kind of. So again, kind of using that murder homicide kind of as a jumping off point for what the stories, how, how the story is going to kind of come together. Mm-hmm. And so have you, have you decided um, what you're going to do as far as like, have you, have you kind of given yourself a deadline or are you just kind of toy with it when you get a chance? What's, what's your approach to writing this now? I've entered the story itself as a long, short story in a couple of contests, but I'm working on how I can hook it up with the other stories in my first book oh. to make it sort of, it may be a timeline thing. I may, uh, have some, something to do with the timeline, either that or I'm going to handle it in the introduction and tie it all together. So. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't, I didn't quite, I didn't quite get that. So it's already, if it's already published, are you, are you going to expand it into, into a book? I, that's, that's the part that I'm a little lost on. I this, think we were looking at like a reissue or like a second yeah, edition or like, yeah, it's a yeah. reissue of it. Taming the timeline probably with a different title and much yeah. longer. Yeah, I think we're going to look at it almost like a second edition or like an expanded second edition, you know, kind of taking what's there um, and really sort of maybe beefing it up a little bit and doing some fun stuff with it. But I really, I really love the sense that you're taking, you know, true stories or like these anecdotes that, you know, of, of things and then sort of kind of running it in a, in a direction um, you know, if, in terms of like really making them your own and, and, you know, taking these fictionalized spins on them, you know, I think, you know, for me, I'm, I am like all the, I'm, I'm so nonfiction brained that, you know, for me to like take a nugget of true, take a nugget of like a story that's real and then running in a fictionalized vein for me is very, would be very, very hard. So, um, because I, I just, you know, I just stick to that, you know, nonfiction so much, but, um, is it? I, I guess it has to be fun for you. I mean, you, like you said, you, you spent it all that time. The brain and uh, yeah. Uh, I was talking about the historical pieces that kind of frame this whole thing. My first book before one is called uh, "Ganging Gang Rule at the Border." Uh, I have Harriet Tubman's great great grandson, ah. who's a commander of a space force. And uh, he comes back uh, to uh, rescue, to uh, straighten out the immigrant situation in Central America. That's one of them. The second one involved, uh, I think you mentioned it, Tony, uh, galloping to the rescue of a descendant of the people who originally bought the ponies to Assateague. Uh, comes back to the 20th century and rescues the horses that were involved in that uh, famous uh, animal abuse case that we had here on the Eastern Shore recently. So those are the two that kind of kicked off that part of it. And, and then you have Mugged, and another one was a, a kind of humorous thing about a guy who was working in a, a record store in Jersey, then uh, 
starts smoking marijuana and winds up uh, in a completely different time zone and sees all these strange characters and and uh, equipment he's never seen before and everything. So that, that was that kind of fun. fun. To, mm, <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> that sounds very New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you can talk to me a little bit more about that, about that acetique story. So what, what kind of drew you to that, to, to try to kind of fictionalize that whole. My wife and I like going to acetique and I was reading some of the history of, uh, the Spanish galleon that crashed there and how, how the ponies came to be in this area. And I just found it interesting. I figured I'd put another twist on it and have it going across the timeline. And and what, um, what it's a, it's a compelling, it's a, it's a compelling story. It's just that the idea of like, like, like as Stephanie was saying, like horses, horses from the future seems a little, uh, you know, it's 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 shocking to think of uh, the um. It's it's shocking to think of the Shikatiga or the Astic horses still be running, st- still running around by um. Twenty fifty or whatever. Oh, no, that was actually his background. We, he was a uh, a descendant of the people actually brought the ponies here. But the the story, uh, the modern story, is of the uh, animal abuse uh, on the farm here in uh, in worst. I, is there a Worcester or one in nearby counties? I think it was at Wicomico. Wicomico County. Yeah, I think that abuse case happened in Wicomico. She abused uh, yeah. malnourished a hundred and some horses or something yeah, on her was, farm. That was really sad. That was a sad story. I actually, I was on a different story out in Western, uh, well, in outside of Easton, I guess. Uh, I was going to say the Western Eastern Shore, but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> And uh, the uh, the woman who is uh, who I was talking to, she's one of those people that takes in the uh, discarded horses that people, you know, people come and they and they buy the horses, but they don't um, uh, like having them, and so they want to give them away, but there's nobody to give them away to. Mm-hmm. Um, so she takes them in, um, and it's and that's just one of the really interesting, you know, ways that we don't think of how you know, taking those horses out of their, um, out of their habitat affects, you know, affects them. I mean, they can only eat the special grass and things like that. And mm. People are always surprised by that. Yeah. It's, it's always been big business, but you know, I mean, never since we had Misty Ashinkatig, man, it's, you know, and, and I'm not even sure. I mean, I know the Spanish galleons are kind of what people say, but I'm not actually sure if that's true or not. They don't have any real proof. It's a legend, more or less. Yeah, I was just about to ask you, like, in your stories when, you know, I know that you're taking these sort of nuggets of real things and then fictionalizing them, but in your process, in your writing process, are you spending a lot of time on, you know, research to try to figure out exactly how to twist something or? Yeah, I try to uh, spend a fair amount of time on research. I probably should be doing more of it, but. There's always rabbit holes we can run, right? It was it was actually refreshing to hear you say that that it you know that 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 the Spali- Spanish galleon is a rumor because some people get really angry when you say that like <laughs> very very angry. I my 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 personal my personal opinion in in the research that I've done is that there was just a tax dodge that went awry. Um, 
people would, when the tax man was coming, people would put their horses out on the island so they wouldn't get counted. And then they bred and they made their own, uh, their own, mm -hmm. uh, their own herd. And like, yeah. if you think of colonial America, like, yeah, maybe a Spanish galleon sank, but I like tax dodges. If I'm going to bet whether a Spanish galleon crashed or whether American tax dodgers caused it, I'm going to, I'm going to take tax dodgers every time. I mean, there was that whole like Boston Tea Party, the Chestertown Tea Party. I mean, we weren't real big on taxes back then. So, I mean, that certainly seems a bit more plausible than, mm -hmm. I mean, the Spanish Galleon. I mean, it's very romantic. It's, you know, it's got a certain, you know, legend and a lore to it. But I've never really been uh, convinced that that was, uh, that was the case. So. Um, more likely what they told the tax guy at the time oh no no those mm -hmm. are from a ship that sank 20 years ago <laughs> mm -hmm. that's not so mine maybe, maybe the legend started with the tax dodging colonials uh, interestingly enough my daughter's boyfriend was visiting recently and he is a um he's a deer hunter and he didn't want to hunt there but he wanted to go see the sicka deer there because apparently they're legendary as well mm. Mm. Which do, I, yeah. I didn't know that anyone cared about them. Um, <laughs> yeah, all you yeah, ever hear about is the ponies. You don't hear much about the Yeah. Deer. No, but, and yeah, this, this is, is apparently hunters come to hunt them and also to look at them sometimes, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, I think I mentioned that in like the opening pages of my book, I think I mentioned about the Sika deer being a, a prize, I think. I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and read my own book to see if I made that point or not. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that like when you know it, it, you don't, I don't, you don't stick it on top of what you already know. You know, it's like, yes, that's true. Moving right along. Um, yeah. And so do you have any plans for something that you're going to work on next? Do you have anything you're toying with for after you sort out whether you're going to add to this book or. I may be uh, adding a few more short stories to the new book too. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can research along the lines of the two historical pieces I had in the first book, where I have, quote, superhero coming back from the future to save someone in the present or vice versa. I'm looking to things like that. My favorite Harriet Tubman story actually occurred in Seaford. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but Harriet Tubman used to go through Seaford because they're the dumbest people in Delaware. And they would like stop her and say, are you Harriet Tubman? Tubman? And she would say no. And they'd say, okay, have a nice day. And so she went through like three or four times. And now they have a whole museum bragging on how stupid their ancestors were, which <laughs> I absolutely love. Funny. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you got to you got to throw Seaford under the bus if you get the chance. You know, we, we're yeah. all drinking Teflon and it's Seaford's fault. So. <laughs> By the I way, Tony, it. another uh, short Jersey story. My attorney before I came here, his name was Tony Russo. I knew him for many years. He had been the mayor of Union Township, New Jersey. Yeah, the uh, the the mayor of Hoboken was Tony Russo for right, a while. for a long time. Yeah, he yeah. Died I, used, recently. I used to say uh, Tony Russo, no relation, when I introduced myself down here because mm -hmm. the Pizza King of Ocean City is also Tony Russo. And yes. if you look up Tony Russo, one of the top hits is him assaulting one of his employees. So oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I don't have a Google alert for my name. Cause yeah, I don't like want to know what the other Tony Russo's are doing. The guy there. who was my attorney is still practicing. He's like 86 or something. Now he's still practicing. It's yeah, good for him. Keep himself sharp. Yeah. <laughs> I love it.
Okay, so where can people get your books, and how can uh, how can they uh, how can they reach out to you if they want to on social media? It's on saltwatermedia.com. Well, that's easy enough. I can remember yep. that uh, one. Yep, absolutely. Yep, we've got it right there, and uh, it's um we do it print on demand on our espresso book machine. So if people call in or or stop in, we can certainly uh, we can we can we can print them all day. So. Susan also has a couple of copies at the Greyhound Bookstore in Berlin. So I awesome. may be hooking up with her for a uh, a book signing sometime in the future. I'm not sure. I thought it'd be great. It would be wrong of me not to say that now that you've said it. I will be having a signing there on Saturday. So if you're watching this live or on this, this show will be out next week, but it's on Facebook now. So come see me Saturday, 11 to 2, uh, Dragged Into the Light, Tony Russo. And the Saturday after that, I will be at the Greyhound signing books, uh, signing copies of Chasing Alice. Oh, how exciting. Yeah, so I follow you. And then uh, signing books with me is um, Andrew Heller, and he'll be signing copies of his new book, uh, Mama Cha-Cha's School for Girls. Very cool. We're all all the cool cool kids in Berlin. There you go. (laughs) All right, Stephanie. Now, this is the part of the show where you thank the guests. All right. Well, Bob, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking with us about your stories. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. So What's Your Story was produced by Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit them at www.saltwatermedia.com. You can find the podcast page at so what's your story podcast.com where we have links to the author's work and short bios and lots of other fun stuff. You can also reach us via email and social there. Tell your story.